Welcome to the Rare Sense Podcast. This is Chris Irwin. Today I'm speaking with Casper Schultz. Casper is the president and co-founder of Innovative Medicine, a company dedicated to transforming healthcare through an advanced and genuinely comprehensive form of personalized integrative medicine. His work has garnered the attention of top minds across six continents, including Nobel laureates, leading CEOs, Hollywood royalty, and best-selling authors. In addition, he oversees the New York Center for Innovative Medicine, or NYCIM, a renowned center that attracts patients from all over the world. Casper's parents are doctors who have spent a lifetime seeking better solutions to whatever ails people. As a result, he grew up traveling the world, exploring various forms of treatment. His family's search for new therapies, modalities, and how other cultures heal continues to take him to new places around the globe. To date, he's visited six continents, 68 countries, and all 50 states in the U.S. He has applied the knowledge gained from these experiences to help others achieve a healthier, happier existence. I was introduced to Casper through Ben Ahrens, my guest on episode six of the Rare Sense podcast. Ben's treatment at NYCIM was crucial to his recovery from chronic neurological Lyme disease, and his story inspired me to try the same thing. I spent about two months at their center in the fall of 2022, which absolutely moved the needle in improving my overall condition. Earlier this year, I was a guest on Casper's podcast, Your Health, Your Story. I wanted to return the favor as I feel he has a unique and vital perspective on healing. During our discussion, we talked about dirty energy and EMFs, ancient medicine and the moniker of pseudoscience, optimizing health versus treating disease, chronic illness in general, experience-based versus evidence-based medicine, remote healing, uniqueness of each patient, Newtonian versus quantum medicine, the interconnectedness of the mind and body, what it means to be alive, getting people back to a self-healing state, treatment as information, the power of belief and fear, subconscious patterns, the downsides of trying to live a perfect life, cell memory, the future of medicine, navigating snake oil salesmen, and other topics. I always enjoy any conversation that I have on the podcast, but this one was kind of personal and special just because of my history at NYCIM and how that really helped me in my own recovery. So I want to get Casper on to get his viewpoint and allow him to tell his story. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Lastly, remember that Rare Sense content is not medical advice, nor does it represent the official position or opinions of any other organization or person. If you require diagnosis or treatment for a mental or physical issue or illness, please seek it from a licensed professional. Now, without further ado, here's Casper Schultz. All right, Casper. What's up, man? How are you? What's going on? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm good to see you again. I mean, we missed each other when we were down uh, town, New York. I you know. Were just there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea that you lived there. I mean, I guess I assumed. Years. What's happened? 15 years I've lived there, man. That's That's been home base for me. Everyone thinks I'm like out here in the medical clinic in Long Island because yeah. I spend a lot of my time here and grew up here. But 15 years I've called downtown Battery Park City home where you were uh you know the other week yeah yeah that's i mean it's it's funny it's a little uh when i thought about that you're somebody who's obviously so focused on health and when i go to the city i'm like i gotta get out of here it's just there's too much freneticism and you know toxicity and all of that i mean are you able to kind of like 
get over that? Or do you just sort of look past it? Do you live in a place where it, it kind of minimizes that? You know, even just like I think of anytime I go to the city, New York City, to me, the energy of it, there's a lot of dirty energy there. I think you and I would agree on that. Absolutely. There's just a ton of signals, EMFs, you name it, that are pinging you at all times, right? And I've always, I don't want to freak out about it, but I definitely feel it. At least I think I do when I'm in places like that. Oh, you do. Everybody does. It's just how much do they feel it? How much do they actually recognize? I recognize it. I get away a lot. Uh, New York City has afforded me wonderful things. I think with everything, there's there's positives and negatives, yeah. right? Yep. You come to New York City, so many opportunities, so much going on there, wonderful talents. But it is frenetic energy. Uh, I don't think you get the best sleep there. I've optimized as much as I can. But you will always have sounds in New York City, right? You yeah. can put the blackout curtain, soundproof your place, you know, do somavetics for energies and all this and that. But you're 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 in this incredible pool of EMF toxins, other toxins, sound, light, everything that, hey, listen, I, I just closed on my place, so I'll be moving out like a few weeks, actually. Oh, to but, where? Uh, I don't know yet. Next chapter to be decided. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, cool. I'm still feeling it out of like, where's the next, like, I because I want to move to a healing sanctuary. I want to move someplace more connected with nature. Yeah. I think when you're young, you can compensate a lot more. I moved back into the city right after college. I spent one year in Boston being a financial analyst. And then I was like, I'm out moving into the New York City, starting a company, being what's called, I heard this word, entrepreneur back then when it was unheard of. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah. I was like, that sounds cool to me. And New York City sounds fun. And when you're in your 20s, like, yeah, you could handle a lot more. It's not healthy, I would say. But you can handle and compensate with it. But as I get older, I need to balance it. I usually take like a month off at least every year to travel, go deep into nature and like turn off my phone and do that. And then I do get away most weekends. I'm actually I think I've, I've calculated I've been in New York City less than 50 percent this year and mostly uh, okay. outside of it. Good. Um, so, you know, I've been able to do it, but I recognize it. And I, I talk about it a lot as someone that lives in New York City. I know it's not the healthiest place to be. And I yeah. knew that I would have to leave at some point. That point is now. But I, I think the trend of these like 15-minute cities and getting more people into them is ridiculous and terrible for our health. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So before we go too too much further on this, give a quick synopsis of who you, for the listeners out there, who you are and kind of what your background is, especially as it obviously pertains to sort of mental, physical health, right? That's what I kind of talk about in mind fitness. And um, you you have a podcast that talks about that and sort of chronic illness and obviously your center and all of that. So just give a kind of quick synopsis on that. Sure, sure. So I was I was kind of born into medicine. Uh, my father and, and mother are both doctors. My father's an MD, uh, started off as an anesthesiologist, went into pain uh, services. My mother was a psychologist uh, and they started traveling worlds probably when I was like 10 or so looking for new things to help their patients. They saw that conventional medicine, while it, it gave them some tools, they, they saw it wasn't really everything that they hoped to heal people with. A lot of people are coming back worse and worse after my father gave them surgery, drugs, everything. So they went on this mission to seek out something better for patients to truly restore their health. And I was fortunate enough to come along for the ride and you know travel to the Great Wall of China when I was young and travel into Africa and all these places where my father was picking up, all right, what do people in this ancient way, how do they heal? 
or even what are the most modern things coming out of Oxford with lasers and pulse electromagnetic field therapy and all this. And he built together this toolkit that I got to witness and be a part of. Uh, I was always the guinea pig when he came back from places and he was like, all right, let's do some moxibustion on you. I'm like, what is that, dad? And he's like putting this hot little smoking thing over me. I'm like, cool, kind of weird, but uh, I'd <laughs> rather go play with this... Billy. How I mean, I was you? like seven and eight, remember? Okay. I mean, it was even younger. I was literally getting oh – and the cool thing is when you're a guinea pig with these things, while you could be scared of, let's say, even a needle when I was the acupuncture young kid, yeah. like, there are no side effects to that. It's not like, hey, let me put you on Ritalin and see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, acupuncture so, especially. Yeah, so things like that, it was like, yeah, it was weird, I think, for me as a child. Uh, most kids, I don't think, had that happen to them on a regular basis, but most kids didn't get to travel the world also, and I did. That was very cool. So when it got to like, all right, what am I going to do with my life? The first thing I was like, I, I said was, well, I don't want to be a doctor because my dad was always so busy and like traveling and doing all these things and was always at the hospital or doing something. Uh, little did I know that, you know, I'd end up being a business owner, working just as hard, just as long uh, and, and tirelessly trying to better myself as he did. Um, but then I said, all right, I went into finance, really didn't like it that much, but saw an opportunity to apply what I learned in business school over into medicine because that's what I knew and said, all right, how, how could I help people like my father who are doctors that run their own practices? How could I help them? Because I see they're struggling. They're taking on the business stuff that they don't understand and that takes them away from the patients. That's what they love to do to help their patients. And so I started working alongside my father, alongside other doctors, built out innovative medicine with my co-founder, uh, who's a doctor now, Dr. Mark Ivanitsky. Um, and I really started to see from an outside perspective, like where are the pitfalls of medicine, especially as it relates to being a business? Because it is. Everything is a business, really. You got to look at it from that prism as well. How can we help more people reach more people? And when you're talking about something like healing, it was like, wow, this is really astonishing when I get to hear patients that have been to many places and then end up with someone, either my father or other doctors or centers, and truly regain their health and not just manage their disease or anything. So I started to, to really look at it as this is a great opportunity to go into an industry that is quite old and antiquated, I would say, in, in just the way they do things, right? Or, or the reverse, if you you could think of it another way in that it's not antiquated, right? Like there's a lot of sort of ancient healing modalities that are shunned by Western medicine that but are that's effective. why I'm saying that there, it's not open-minded, let's put it that yeah, way. Right, the, the conventional right. orthodox way of doing medicine is that pseudoscience, anything past, you know, this is, you know, we don't even look at it. We don't right. even talk about it. Right. I mean, doctors aren't really even talk, taught about nutrition in medical school. Like, that's wild, right? Lifestyle, yeah. sleep. It's like, those aren't questions. Just what is the pill and what's the latest research on that pill? That's what they should know. Yeah. And so I saw it as like, wow, this, this is really like, if you were to come at this like an entrepreneur and look at the medical industry, you'd say, it's absolutely broken. It's not optimized for sure. I would say it's broken. It's failing, meaning people are getting sicker and sicker. They're not improving their health. Um so how do we look at about it that way and apply something like an entrepreneurial spirit to it? And that's what I've been doing with innovative medicine for the last 20 years is trying to always look at this industry and, and look at this whole uh, idea of how we're truly treating disease. 
uh, and kind of flip it on its head. It's like, well, how do we optimize health? That's what medicine should be. Yes. You know, if you're waiting for the problem to happen, that's like, all right, you know, yes. financial analysts only working with bankrupt people. Like you don't do that. Most right. financial analysts right. work with rich people. I mean, they should be providing their services to those that are losing money as well and trying to get them out of it. But um, especially in, in something like when you're dealing with health, because nothing is more valuable. I mean, you know, there's so many people know this because they've lost some of their health or they've dealt with some challenges and then it's like nothing else matters in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's such an important industry and it's backwards. It's not, you know, healthcare, it's sick care really. And uh, it's yeah. just disease management, which, you know, every, every facet of life, uh, you know, the, basically starts to go in this negative path when you lose your health. And w- I should state that, the way I, uh, we met basically was I went to your center and I was there for probably, I think about two and a half months total, something like that. I, I bounced around a little bit cause I had some work trips that I'd take in between there, but essentially I was on the ground there for, I think about six to seven weeks. Uh, and then I came back and did some follow-up treatments as well. And I got introduced to you through Ben Aaron's. Um, who I think was like the executive director there for a little bit. And he developed the reorigin program and he's somebody who he's been on my podcast. We have this kind of sort of ecosystem now, right? So there's, there's Ben, there's Freddie Kimmel. I'm sure there's other people that that are in there. Um, But have all been, have all experienced this personally, this chronic illness state that uh, there's, there's this great meme out there that I posted probably three or four years ago when I was really in the throes of this that said something like, I never thought I would wake up sick one day and never get better. That idea. It's like when you get sick, you think, okay, I'm sick and I'll be better in a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks if it's something severe. But uh, outside of something where there's a real strong diagnosis, like, hey, you have cancer and like we, we really need to treat this. This I have this mystery ailment that I'm that seemingly I'm never going to get over is not a thought that had ever occurred to me and has, and doesn't occur to a lot of people. But more and more people find themselves in this situation with sort of no answers from conventional medicine, and that's why we end up. <laughs> I think the the folks at your center call it like uh, there's a. Your acronym is NYCIM, right? New York Center for Innovative right. Medicine. But there's some other joke one that they do, right? Where it's it's like the last, I, I'm not saying this right, but it's like the place of last resort, right? Basically. Well, they, they, they call it last chance CIM, right? Like yeah. NY, like last chance. Yeah, because it, it is like the place people go last yeah. and basically have exhausted all other options. Yeah. And then try ours and are just like, come on, let's put a prayer out there in this Hail Mary with this center yeah. and see what you guys could do. Uh, it's it's unfortunate in some ways, but fortunate that we can actually help people also, even if it is like kind of their last chance. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is unfortunate because I think about it as in many ways it should be at least part of the first stop, right? To to your point is that when our existing system doesn't address a lot of these issues, like it it just doesn't have any answers. Um, And and I'm not somebody who completely just blasts modern medicine, so to speak. There's definitely a time, like there are certain medications out there that are really helpful for people. And there are, and and there are certain, like surgery is important at times, right? Like if you have a tumor that like, like it's a good idea to cut that out of you. 
Um, yes. I mean, depending, right? But like, there's absolutely life-saving things there. But there's just all this other stuff that can help people that is just outside, it's beyond the pale in terms of like Western approach. And I just think it's, it's a shame. Do you, let me ask a couple questions here. One is, what are your struggles as that center, right? Because you're like out there on the fringes. Like, do you get hit with tons of sort of negative energy, negative feedback, people trying to shut you down? Like, is there, does that come your way? Yeah, yeah, that's been there. Listen, when you're putting out like novel ideas that go against the the kind of, you know, um, foundational institute of what you believe medicine should be. Yeah. And you have a lot of conventional medicine that would say this is voodoo. It's not based in science. You know, it's complete, you know, snake oil, you know, that kind of thing. And you guys are it's quackery. You know, you hear all that, of course. And it's, you know, I, I at first it bothered me a lot. because it was like, I, I know this could help. I, I see my father. He's he's working on you know, 12 hour days, studying, traveling the world, trying to help people. He's not like trying to like just swindle him, just sitting in the background, be like, how do we make more money? Like, no, that's, that's not it. If anything, he really doesn't care about that too much. And that, that's why he probably needed the business help and everything. But um, no, you, you get that a lot. And I think you get that with anything. If you think differently from the mass population, you're going to get attacked, right? Um, and yes, we, we've definitely had that. But I think you got to you know, we've learned to kind of brush the negativity aside. We've learned that if you could produce repeatable results, focus on that. You know, that's where you put your attention to. Uh, and that's what we've been able to do and kind of stay in our lane of this is what we do and this is how we see it. And I think that's like a big part of what I want to do through podcasts, through everything else. It's just like, let me explain it to you. Like, you know, if you had all these options out there, and you started applying it and personalizing it and going after the root causes, not just like symptoms and everything, but why do you have symptoms, right? right. It's like, all right, I have zero dollars in my bank account. All right, that's a symptom. It's like, why? Is someone actually stealing money out of your bank account? <laughs> right. Are you yeah. spending way too much money? Like, we, That's what we need to know. Otherwise, if I just give you a few dollars a day, you're barely living, right? Zero the next day. Here's a few more dollars. Zero the next day. Here, That's silly. Like, you know, that, that's not the right approach to it. So if we could address that and do it in a way where we're truly restoring health and show it year over year, my father's been in medicine 40 years. He's been 50 years. He's been doing this for over 30, 40 years himself, like in the integrative space and seen so much better results, like so many things and helped so many people. So, you know, if, if you could show that, and this is where I think I like to focus on experience based medicine. Because I think if, if you look at it, everyone loves evidence-based medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been the the kind of, you know, the the staple for most of medicine is if you could prove it, evidence, you know, in clinical study, all this, then it works. Then why, if we've been using that for so long, are we sicker than ever? The evidence shows that this drug should have worked to help you, yet you are sick, you are, you are getting sicker. There is no doubt on any level, if you look at the data, we're becoming sicker and sicker as a society. So... If, if you just follow the evidence, well, it's led us to become a very sick society. But if you follow the experience of others and you start to see, well, that didn't sound like something I wanted to do, but I then experienced it and it had a profound effect on me. That starts to shift your belief system. 
you know, I was at a conference and Bruce Lipton, who wrote, uh, you know, yep. the biology Power, belief, right? Biology, yeah, biology belief. Yep. Amazing guy and everything. He was, he was basically stating that you, your belief systems are ingrained by seven and most people are led to believe to listen to their conventional doctors when they're young. They're brought to their pediatricians. Oh, Billy, you little Billy, listen to the doctor, you know, do what they say. If that doctor says, oh, Billy needs to have, you know, this surgery or he needs these drugs or he needs this procedure, you go along with it. So a child by seven is usually ingrained in a belief system that, you know, the doctor is always right and conventional medicine is the way to go. So, you know, we already have a belief system that we're going in. I understand when people come into our center, there is going to be skepticism because this is not something they've been taught. This is not something they learned by seven. That hasn't been an ingrained subconscious belief system for them to do. In some civilizations and, and uh, other places around the world, it is. And so you have many people in India that believe in Ayurveda and other things like that, and yoga and all sorts of spiritual practices. And I believe that's, that's led them to a more harmonious and healthier life until westernization came about. Um, you know, we were invited out there by a big healthcare uh, uh, company that basically said with the westernization of India comes more and more chronic disease and we are overwhelmed by it all. So we can't keep going this way, but it's because we're losing our values. Westernization has changed us, introduced different thoughts, different beliefs, different types of you know practices. And if we continue, we are going to have a billion people that are sick and us healthcare insurances can't cover that anymore. Yeah. So, you know, a big part of the challenge of, of what we do here and everything is, is not just the negativity, because I think we could like, you know, work around that. And there will always be people that have gone through, you know, the different steps of I went to my GP, general practitioner, they put me on a drug that didn't work. He told me to go to a specialist. That specialist tried something that worked a little bit, but I was sick again. Then I got you know to another specialist. Then I tried. And finally, I went into the acupuncturist alone. That helped a little, but it didn't. So you kind of go through the stages. And when you're talking about your health, like what else is more important? If you can't get out of bed, like you just totally. keep looking. You're finding so you're looking all over the world, dude. I, I I've I mean uh, on my journey, there were many times where I was like, look, if someone said to me. I can fix you 100%, right? I can make you better. It might take a few months, but I'll do it. I would have paid that person $250,000. I mean, yep. when you're sick for like six years, yeah, you, 100%. I'm like, I don't care how I get that money. I mean, I'm not going to steal it or something, but like, I'll figure out a way to get that. I'll take out a second mortgage on my home. Absolutely, I would do that, right? Like, no and, cost. And that's is too the high. thing, Chris. It's like I've seen people that have been sick for decades and decades, them, yeah, right. Yeah. And and they yeah. come to me and they're like, "You told me to shave my head, pull out all my <laughs> yeah. teeth, and yeah. like run around naked for you know through the streets of New York, and you cure like hell yeah." That's yeah, not, that's an easy answer for right, me. right, yes. and <laughs> yeah. And I would always say too, I, you get to this point. I'm very like empirical person, so I I sort of like evidence is a good thing. Right, like in a, in, a, it is. in a strictly empirical sense, of course, evidence is a good thing. We want Absolutely. things to be proven out. That's how the scientific method works, right? And like all the sort of uh, naysayers on science, it's it's not science we're talking about. It's like the industry of science that becomes a yeah. problem because that's people and they have bad incentives and bad motives and all of that. But science itself, like the idea of we're going to figure out how things work through trial and error. Pretty sure that's a good idea. Like, I, I think you'd have a hard time arguing with that. The problem is that 
to, I think kind of to your point is that we, we have a system now where when someone says evidence-based, I go, okay, I, I'd love to believe that, but like, where did this evidence come from? What were the incentives behind it, right? Who paid to have this evidence? And those are all, I think, really legitimate questions. And it's unfortunate that we're presented with a system that's like that now, right? Like I wish it weren't that way. I wish it was all about just the right thing and a hundred percent transparency. The sad thing is that it's not. So it becomes really difficult to manage. But the, the other point that I, I wanted to make there was with that was it used to be where I really wanted to understand the, how these various modalities were working. And I still do. It's like, okay, you're going to treat me doing this. How does that work? But to the point I was making earlier, I also got to the point where I'm like, if given the choice, I don't give a shit how this works. <laughs> to your point, like if you wave chicken bones over my head and that cured me, okay, fine. I don't need to understand it. I'll take the, I'm better over the understanding any day of the week, right? And I think you got to sort of like look at it. You got to get to that point sometimes to jump into this paradigm because yeah. it's going to be really difficult to understand. I still have trouble like really getting into some of the quantum based things and like remote healing and all that. Yeah, that does that does like boggle the mind. But then you learn about, you know, all types of experiments happening in like Canary Islands where they're teleporting atoms, you know, instantaneously. Right. And it's like, well, yeah. if that's remotely, then I guess that can be right. Did, dude, but then you still got to do reaches and then you got to contemplate how is something in two places at once? Uh, yeah, no, I'm so with you on that. In fact, this is a modality that I'm using. I'm, I'm working with a guy right now doing some sort of remote energy work. And this is something where I even tell him straight up, I'm like, if you had come to me five years ago with this, I would have told you to fuck off. I would just would have been like, <laughs> there's no, like, you're totally joking. But now you get to that point again where you're like, okay, sure, I'll give it a try. And a lot of this stuff, it's like, what's the harm? Like, what's what's the worst that could happen with this? If I have a guy working with me remotely on energy balancing, okay, he's either a total fraud or it's going to do something. It's not going to harm me. And the exact point you're making, which sort of convinced me like, okay, maybe this is a thing is we know that like in physics that, uh, right, like uh, I don't know if it's atoms or electrons or whatever, but they, they spin a certain way. Yep. And, and when they're separated, it doesn't even matter if it's by light years. If one spins one way, the other one matches the spin, right? So those things are connected somehow, electrically, energetically, over light years. So, okay, if that can happen, and we know that, and if you ask a physicist, is that real? Yes, that's real. Who's to say that we can't impact the energy of another person somehow who isn't physically with us? Like, okay. And, and here's the other thing, like we know this, right? Yeah. Gets energy transmitted to it through the air. Like yeah. there's someone can make a call to me. We, we, we can do this technolo technologically. So right. why does, why do we need a phone to do something like that? I mean, that's a big leap, but at the same time, if you sort of break it down, it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Why couldn't that happen? And it's the thing is like, most of us don't think about this on a daily basis. These aren't like discussions you really have of like, Hey, did you know an atom if separated could do like, <laughs> yeah. you just don't have that discussion usually. Um, but these are the kind of things that puzzled Einstein, right? Where yeah. he was like called it spooky action and everything. Like this is a guy, one of the smartest guys in, in the history of mankind, like totally revolutionized science, you know, what equals MC square theory, relativity, just like notion after notion that became the the, the new science of, of what we do today. And he even had a hard time understanding it. So it's like, 
I understand, like I've read tons of quantum like physics books and Michi Kaku and like all sorts of people. And it's still completely foreign to me, you know? Um, yeah. So to be like truly like, you know, understand everything that's happening, even with a conventional based, uh, you know, medicine, like that's just not going to happen. So you do have to have some leap of faith in this, I believe. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to ask people because that suddenly becomes sort of like anti-science. Uh, where I don't think it is because the science is there. It's just, do you have like the years to even study and try to comprehend it? You know, and by then you'll, you're probably going to be in a worse position health wise. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest, even in a conventional medicine setting, do you really know what's going on when you go do some sort of treatment? Like if you do chemotherapy, I don't, I don't exactly understand how that works. Right. And most like, doctors won't either. You know, they really won't. They, they understand the principles of it on the biochemical side and everything. But really delving deep into it, that's a very tough discussion to have of like, well, why is that working on this and that? And you yeah. could say on the top level, well, I know exactly how that is. But then, right. What about the energetic imprint? What about all the different interactions that happen? Because everyone is so damn unique. You take in one little compound that shifts everything. I'm yeah. sorry. Like the idea of like, you know, your microbiome changes so drastically day to day. You eat one thing, it is a different colony of microbiome, basically. Yeah. And so, like, to, to really, like, pinpoint one thing, I think it's nice to understand the mechanics of things. And that is a Newtonian principle way of doing it. A plus B equals C, right? But when you throw in all the different variables of every single human existence, the emotions of everything, how they're consuming things, interaction with environment... It becomes a very string theory quantum chaos thing yeah. where it's like A, B, C could be infinite different results. And therefore, the mechanical side of saying, if you take this, you get better is thrown out the window. Yeah, I think there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. So the, the first is the whole leap of faith thing. And that was something that when I came to your center, I think like a lot of people, like you were saying, I was nervous. I was like, really? Like some of this stuff, I'm like, really, we're going to do this? And it's scary, some of it. Um, and so talking to Ben Aaron's, that's exactly the term he used when he was at his kind of lowest point with Lyme disease was I just had to take a leap of faith and just say, what's the alternative here? And I think that's the place people get to. And it's, it was difficult for someone like me who tends to sort of be anxious about things where I, it took a lot to get over that because it, it was like, well, some of the stuff, I don't know, this is really strange and it's seems a little kooky and, but weighing it out and just saying, okay, what's the alternative? It is to just stay where you're at and just keep enduring this. It's like, you got to try something. So that that's kind of one thing. I think the point about sort of Einstein and all of that, look, I, I just think that we, we think we know so much about so much and we just don't. Like there's just so much out there we don't understand. And we're, <laughs> and we, we're just too arrogant about things, whether it's medicine Absolutely. or the way the universe works. It's just, we're just not, I love the George Lucas quote, which I'll sort of paraphrase of, of like, yeah, on the uh, scale of kind of not universal knowledge, we're at like an eight. The problem is the scale goes to a million, right? Yes. Like, and so 
we just don't know that much. And yeah. we, sh- we need to stay kind of humble about these things and not feel like in any field really. And I think especially in sort of Western medicine, I think has gotten to that point where it's just like, we, we got it all figured out. We just need to fill in the blanks a little bit. And it's like, ah, I don't, I don't think that's exactly true. Yeah. Um, can you explain a little bit, you, you've touched on it, but I think it's a new concept for a lot of people. It certainly was when I got introduced to your center, this, that sort of Newtonian medicine versus quantum medicine, like that idea and what those two things represent. Yeah. Newtonian medicine really is like how you look at mechanical things and it works incredibly well. It's it's how you approach a car. If something's wrong, you replace it, you fix it. Therefore, you get an intended outcome out of that. And so that is the, okay, you have a poor functioning liver. We're going to cut that liver out. We are going to either replace it with something, give you a transplant, and then it'll be all good. Or it's the idea of, okay, your blood pressure is high. We're going to give you a, a, you know, a, a medication that will reduce your blood pressure and you'll be good again and it'll be balanced. But the fact is, again, we are such complex beings. We work in an energetic quantum world, right? We are not machines. We can't just take things out and there aren't you know, any other uh, different outcomes for the rest of the body. It all works and interacts together. And when you start to look at it that way, the uh, the whole idea of conventional medicine and specialties really sort of, you know, messes that whole idea up that you're only going to look at the GI system and not the other systems. Right. Like we know the GI system works with the immune system, works with every other system. All right. Maybe we haven't connected it all yet. And this is something you can call the PNEI system, psychoneuroendocrine immunological, where they connected four systems that work very, very closely together. But it used to be only PNE, and now it's PNEI, and now it's P- they're adding more as they go along because every system in the body is connected. Your teeth are connected to every yeah. organ in the body, right? Um, again, something that dentistry will not tell you, at least conventional dentistry will completely avoid and treat them as completely separate. Your mouth and everything that happens here is separate from the rest of your body. But that's just not true. And we know this so much that you could have a little bit of – you know, a GI symptom, then something happens on your skin and then something happens where your immune system goes down. You start catching infections. Then you get a respiratory infection that impacts your heart a little bit. Right. Yeah. So it's like when you when you start to look at it that way, you have to look at the human body in a holistic way. That's why it's called holistic medicine. And that is taking away from the Newtonian concept of isolate and and really separate different parts and replace those parts and only focus on that part to fix it, and then you will fix the whole unit, to one that is, we have to really look at you in a completely comprehensive way and understand that you are completely unique. So the idea of diagnoses is a very mechanistic Newtonian way. Like, this is what's wrong with you. This this is the label we're going to appropriate to you. And Everyone, regardless of who you are with this label, we will treat this way with our protocols that we know. It's put you on this drug, cut this out. If that doesn't work, this and this. So it groups you together in these generalized protocols that I will say for certain diseases many years ago, especially infectious diseases, it wasn't a bad approach. You had a bacterial infection, antibiotic that worked pretty well. But when you look at modern day, uh, you know, the diseases we're dealing with. They are so comprehensive, so complex, so multifaceted. It's never just one thing. It's yep. always multiple things, right? And it usually is because the body like kind of compensates the one thing 
until it gets too bad and it affects other things and then it impacts in other ways. And we also have to admit we are not just biochemical reactions. We are emotions. We know this. We're emotional beings. Yep. We have road rage, not because you know it's some biochemical thing. It's because it starts on an emotional level. And we have these outbursts that we can't control our emotions. And we are also energy, spiritual, right? I could say more consciousness, not in a religious term at all, but more so on this level of purpose. You know, you'll find a lot of depressed people when they lose their purpose. Show me the biochemistry that starts there. It doesn't start there. It goes purpose and leads into biochemistry. So when you look at this interconnectedness of everything, we truly have to leave the Newtonian side behind and move on to the quantum side, which shows everything's entangled. Everything works together. There was an influence of one thing on the other happening every single millisecond. You know, our, our cells regenerate at such precision. Like that was something phenomenal when my father started to like talk and started to dissect what it means to be alive. How many trillions yeah. and trillions of chemical processes have to happen in almost an exquisite orchestrated way. That if one little chemical process was off by this much, this millisecond, you'd be dead. And that happens every single second of your life for years and years. It's like we are miraculous beings, really, but we are so interconnected and so, you know, um, uh, working together in that way, even between each other with the energies and, and you know, as, as humans between each other. So that's where it really shifts. And that's where you know, this type of approach to medicine that whether you call it holistic, integrative, we call it innovative medicine is, you know, uh, kind of bridging the gap of all of it. It's conventional, it's integrative, it's holistic, it's biological, it's psychiatry, it's psychology, spirituality. That's where we see it as this combination that gives you the best ability to restore health and to get you back into a self-healing place. You know, we, we don't think about it. We get a paper cut. We don't need to do anything. We don't need to even like, oh, I have to think about healing it. I have to like put something in most cases, unless it's infected or something, we just heal it. That's it. Get a little abrasion. You're always self-healing. That's going on you all the time. But when you lose that balance or something's a little bit off, your body will always try to get you in balance, but too much of it, if you are smoking a lot, that impacts your lungs over and over. The first few years, you could deal with that. After that, it gets a little bit worse. You're trying, your body can't keep up with the healing as you harm it. Um, and that's really where we're looking at as medicine. How do we get you back to a self-healing state, looking yeah. at all the options out there all over the world? And we're not trying to get you to what conventional medicine considers through a Newtonian principle, uh, success of, oh, your symptoms are gone. That's, I have pain, take a pain pill. All right, it's gone. Congratulations. We did a good job. Success achieved, right? Pat ourselves on the back. This doctor's amazing. That's not true because you're still in a pain state. You're just numbing it with something. You're just using a drug reaction. That's what most of medicine is about. And you're then just managing it. Whereas we want you to self-manage it to a point of actual homeostasis and health. And that I believe is, is the biggest difference. It's like, get rid of the diagnosis, get rid of like looking at the body one thing at a time, look at it all under a microscope and also, also a macroscope. Like look at both. I don't think there's anything wrong with lab results and looking at your, you know, different functions of enzymes and nutrients and pathogens. I think that's wonderful. But I think that's under the microscope where you could go upstream as well and look at things that why did that happen so that you have lower level of zinc? Maybe that's caused by a certain level of stress 
and right. not because of a nutritional deficiency. So just because I give you a zinc supplement does not mean I address the cause. And that's going to show up somewhere else. Okay, we gave you the zinc. It's going to deplete somewhere else because you never address the true why, which is your stress levels. Yep. And that's what we're trying to do. Look downstream, look upstream, look micro, look macro, put it all together and really look at you as a quantum being with so many different things going on that you're going to need a personalized protocol to restore your health completely and get you back to self-healing. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I, I remember Ben talking about it before I went there, which was one of the things he found encouraging was a lot of sort of chronic illness protocols are peanut butter spread with everybody. It's like, we're just, we've got the same protocol and it was like, no, we went there and I was comparing what the plan was with the person next to me. And it was completely different. And it was different from the person that was on the other side of me. And there's a lot of obviously shared therapies that are going on there, Sure, but in different amounts, some people got something, some others didn't get that thing. And I found that as well. Um, and just to sort of explain to everybody too, when you're at, when a person is at your center, you are going in there and you're doing different protocols every day, or you're, you're going through a series of something, whether that's a certain amount of like IV things or energy things or whatever, and then it's on to the next thing and they're in various combinations. Can you, I, I want to be careful just because again, to that point, you, you throw some of these things out there and people go, oh, that's the thing, right? And like, and the whole <laughs> point is like, it, it may be, but it may not be the thing for you. However, can you give some examples of the energy side of treatment that maybe people aren't familiar with, right? Like I said, when I went there, there was some stuff that was sort of more more Newtonian, like various IVs and things like that, where you're, oh, yeah. where you're introducing things to the body. But there was a ton of other things, light, uh, lasers, magnets, right? Can yes. you just kind of like, just, just a brief overview, some of those things where you, maybe too in your learning process with your dad, were amazed by hey, the effectiveness of this. Like how, like, wow, that's incredible that that actually works. Yeah. It's funny because like, we're, we're so kind of like, uh, we're visual beings, right? What we see, we, we really react with. I think it's why we have no problem spending a ton on anti-aging, but when it comes to like inside our body, we don't see how bad our organs look, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. if we're improving it, we're like, no, I don't want to spend it on that. It's like, ah, oh, it's a few hundred dollars. Like, no. And then we do like tens of thousands of dollars of work because we see it on our face and like Botox. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Um, but we are visual beings. It's just, unfortunately, our vision is is very, very slimmed down to what's really out there, right? We're only seeing a small parameter of the wavelengths out there if we actually were able to see all the def different energy frequencies and, you know, everything going on from Wi-Fi to X-ray. Yeah. It would be like, holy cow, there, yeah. there's so much more than this red, yellow, blue, this prism of the rainbow, <laughs> you know, and it would be overwhelming for us. Um but the truth is we we live within that and that sometimes can be something that is beneficial you know we know that from things like schumann waves grounding right people talk about earthing and everything how it's beneficial and now there's more science on it. it's like show me the visual of that right there isn't a visual of these schumann waves coming from the ground up and these emfs and everything that are both positive and negative um two other things exactly like light you know, light is giving is like, like, you know, you can't see that light reaching a plant that makes it grow, but it is there. It is, is through that. I mean, you could see the light itself, but you're not actually seeing it hit it and go into it and do all these things. So, you know, when, when you start to really understand what is 
around us at all times and how that impacts us beyond the visual side, you start to see there's so much more than, than what meets the eye. And that's where a lot of this healing takes place. My father always used to say, like, what you learn is, you know, cells are the building blocks of life, right? And you look at the cell and you study, and that's a lot of what functional medicine is. It's Pissinger's work and looking at a cell and how it works, the cell membrane. It detoxes the mitochondria, it gives energy, it duplicates, and you have life. But there are things beneath that too. And again, you look at it from the quantum perspective, cells are made of millions and millions of molecules. And those molecules are made of something. And you know, you keep going into energy and information, then you see guides life. I think it was Carlo Rubio who won a Nobel Prize in 1984 for his work in energy and, and understanding said, like, you know, 99.99% of all that is out there is just energy. Matter is just a sliver, it's nothing basically in the universe. Yeah. So we live in, in a very energy-driven environment, uh, even though we don't know it. But that is where a lot of what we're trying to do impacts the body. We're trying to give it the correct energy, which is in some ways information. Yeah. I, so love, that it, it could, I love it couched that way. I just It's one of those things, sorry to interrupt, but just- No, no. That's, I can't remember if it was from you guys or some other place that I got it. I think it was probably you that just flipping that, the way we think of treatment of any kind, whether it's energetic or chemical, it's like you're getting the right information to the cells, that, that idea, right? Like it's just, it's like a computer. It's like, give it the right information, the right input, and it will give you the right output, right? So not to cut you off, but just, I just think that's such an important sort of paradigm to adopt for people, I think is really important. Anyway, just keep going. No, and, and it brings up like something my father used to say. It's like, if you put the right piece of sheet music in front of a whole orchestra, it sounds beautiful. That They're reading the information correctly and playing it, and it just hits you as, you know, in the, in the audience as, wow, this is touching. If you give them the wrong information, it's going to sound like crap. Or yeah. if you give someone that can't play it, like, you know, kindergarten kid just sitting up there, just hitting away at things, and you're like, ooh, this is hurting my ears, and I don't like this. Yeah. Um, but the same thing happens. I think your, your body is given this amazing information through DNA, through all different, through your interactions with just the environment, everything. It's given good information for you to regenerate and stay healthy. Our natural state should be health as much as I think conventional medicine is like, yeah, you get older, you're going to get disease. No, 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 that's not true. It's just through, I think, wrong information over time, your body starts to become diseased. So what do you do? You give it the right information again, right? That's where you got to start targeting it in a sense. And I do think, look at mRNA vaccine, all this, like that is information in a sense. I mean, there are other things around it, but at its core, that's what they're trying to do is provide you with information. A virus is just information. There's right. nothing actually physical to it, right? Yep. That's, yep. that's all it is. So when, when you look at it from that perspective again. And again, it requires this, oh, snap, I got to look at things differently. Like, damn, we are information, like DNA information strands that show us, all right, make five fingers instead of six. That's information that happens. So if you look at it from that perspective, like how can we give you therapy that gives you different, unique information for different parts of your body so that it can, again, correct itself. It can start to restore its own healing. Cells will start to, again, regenerate the proper way not the wrong way or have poor regeneration. So a lot of the therapies are based on information, whether that is light, whether that is just frequencies, rife systems, biochar, like all these others that 
you're not seeing, but producing different types of frequencies around you, usually vortexes that you're a part of and your body interacts and takes in the information of that. And so it's, it's really hard again, because it's so on a different level. And when people like, I don't see it, there isn't much evidence out there. Although I have to say more and more, like you said, a cell phone works on quantum principles, like satellites do also all these things where you have to, you know, send things thousands of miles in a millisecond and have information exchanged perfectly that you get. Yeah. Right. And so even even that is is kind of one of the analogies my father's always used. Like you could be anywhere in the world and get a call. And the information you receive from that call from somebody else can impact you drastically. Yes. You learn, you learn in a millisecond from someone in Japan right now that someone in your family has been harmed. Wow. Look at the biochemical reactions within an instant. Yeah. Heart elevated, you know, epinephrine, adrenaline start to go. You start to tense up muscles. Your heat may go up, like all these things. You may feel even vomiting, like sick suddenly because of that information. What is it besides just information? Yep. That's well. And so nothing. (laughs) Right. And so the extension there is where I where I kind of want to go with this is then it turns into the information you're telling yourself. Oh, yeah. So it's so to that point, I received that information. However, the real impact to me is the way I react yes. to that information, right? And so the point is, so much of this is self-empowerment as well. And I think that's part of the liberating message here is if you if you sort of extrapolate that same concept to the way your mind interacts with your body, well, then it's really, really important what you tell yourself, right? The, the information so from your own mind that you are putting like, tr- however that works, right? Transmitting into your body through your nervous system and everything is critical and people don't do it well for the most this, part. This, Chris, is where people don't get it because sometimes they say, you know, I was, I did all of these things and it didn't work. And I agree, it doesn't work for everyone. Like, I will never make that claim that it works for everyone. And this is the reason why you are a part of the system of it all. Yes. What you, how you intake the information, what you choose to do with it, and how you play out your, in your own mind these things matters critically. So we could give you all the treatments in the world, both biochemical, everything like that. But if you do not change your thoughts, your beliefs, uh, you know, how, how you are acting and everything, what you tell yourself on a daily basis, it won't work. And that's, that's the hard part of it because people are like, wow, this sounds wonderful. You have over 100 high-tech things that range from like this and that. Great, sign me up. And it's like, well, hold up. Like, are you ready for it? Because that's only a portion of it. That is like giving you info. That's like me giving you a book with the answers to life and being like, I'm not going to read it. And even when I do, I don't believe it. It won't work. Like that book means nothing to you then, even though it could mean so much to the next person. So it really is this, this interplay. And unfortunately, or fortunately, you can look at it both ways. I look at it fortunately and empowering. You're responsible for your outcome. Mm -hmm. You know, not the doctor, not anyone else. Uh, they play a part in it, of course, but you are a co-creator in your health and it is a healing journey that requires work. You know this, you got to go deep in and look at some of those thoughts or belief systems. And a lot of times they are subconsciously playing. Again, if you had it happen in your childhood, you may not even recognize that yep. that is happening, that is playing along with you. 
Yet subconsciously, that that is absolutely there and impacting every day of your healing or your you know kind of uh, downfall into disease. And so you got to address some deep things in healing. This isn't just like step into our office and you know and do these things and you'll be healed. We have a psychosis, my mother on hand and others, you know yep. that that deal with this. Hey, you got to deal with your mental stuff, with your beliefs, your thoughts, your negative thoughts. And she says the biggest thing she tries to do is get them to see things in a positive light. So many people, especially when you're diseased for so many years, you start to get into a negative state. Sometimes you feel guilty about the actions you took. Guilt is a very bad state to be in, as is despair, hopelessness, anger. These are all negative emotions that are not going to help you in healing. You will not become healed in those kinds of states of consciousness. And so it's really important on that frame level, too. It's like the information you give yourself you know, that you're replaying in your head over and over, that has to be really looked at and addressed as well in the healing process. And that requires some deep introspective work as well on your own part. Yeah. I think it's also just a piece that people, like sometimes you don't even realize what you're doing in terms of self-sabotage. So it's like, it. I think a lot of people would hear that and they think, well, I don't say those things to myself. And it's, it takes some soul searching to be like, yeah, do you though? Like you might want to, you really have to spend some time analyzing your own patterns of behavior, right? That is like, and because and a lot of it happens at a subconscious level. I mean, this is what yes. Ben's program is all about, yeah. which I think is fantastic. And I've actually, do, I'm, I'm like in the throes of it, trying to get over the nice. kind of the last, I would say 10% of what I've got to do. And I'm so convinced that it's just that at this point, it's like, it it's funny to me how long it's taken me to understand that how critical that component is and how subconscious it is it's like you don't even realize that you're you're like wrapped into these patterns subconsciously that are sabotaging your well-being every day yeah. and and it's like your your nervous system it's almost like your nervous system has like a mind of its own. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the way I think of it. Your limbic system, whatever it's, it's, it's been like supercharged into this fight or flight response that even though you don't feel like you can be sitting there like, no, I'm not afraid. I'm not, it's like, it doesn't matter. You, it's innately in you at this point. Like you don't even have to feel it anymore. Right. You feel it in these weird symptoms. That's how you feel it even though you're not saying, no, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not afraid of anything. And that's, man, I, it's taken me so long to kind of really tap into that and recognize it and go, oh yeah, that is what's going on. But like, now I can talk, And I just think it's, this is so important for veterans, like guys like me, yes. because th- they can say, no, I'm not afraid. I don't walk around in fear. And it's like, uh, you're not thinking about it exactly right. Your nervous system thinks there's danger out yes. there at, because you lived in a state of danger for so long. Yes. And, and it's not that you're afraid or a coward or something like that. That's not it. Your, your limbic system, your brain, there's a process in your brain that is basically telling your body at all times that the world is unsafe. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you might, and, and you don't even feel it consciously. You, the way you feel it is because you're tired all the time or you're dizzy or you have cognitive problems or all of these things. And until you actively overwrite that to your point with better information that you constantly, like you have to like put in work to feed that in there. It's never going to change. 
You know? Yeah. And, and when you bring it up, especially with like soldiers, PTSD and everything, that's the, the more extreme case. But think about it, even in a subtle cases of leaving your phone by your bed will impact you while you sleep. You are unconscious, but it'll impact you because subconsciously, you know, it's right there within arm's length. And that is going to actually impact how the brain, it won't go as deep into sleep knowing it's right there. Yeah. Same thing, what we talked about living in the city. You don't hear the beeps outside at night. Your nervous system does. Yeah. That alerts it to something. And maybe you don't become conscious right away. Only a loud bang would really get you to, it is taking you out of deep sleep. It is messing with you. It is giving you a little bit of fight or flight, even yeah. while you're asleep, which is wild because you're like, I'm sleeping. I must be peaceful. Like, no, no, no. That's the part where you're really picking up a lot for your nervous system and subconscious. Yeah. You're dreaming, right? But yep. your subconscious is going wild at that time. And we we don't even see it. So yeah, if you want to take it to another level of court, that is PTSD. That is hearing the large, large uh, or loud bang and suddenly being extremely triggered by it, right? Because you're having that fight or flight reaction to it. Yeah. Whereas this happens on the subtle level all the time. You get a ping in your phone and you know we have phantom now. There's actually like a diagnosis of like phantom response where you feel your phone going yeah, off buzzing. I've had that. And you check it, you're like, oh, no, nothing. And it's like, yes. you know, your dopamine hits like drop, go up and everything. It's so weird. Like, I'm sure you've had that, right? I have, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> where it's like, I thought my phone rang in my leg in my pocket and my leg and it didn't you were right? positive like you felt that buzz yep. right yep and, yeah. and already something triggered in your sub in your nervous system that probably released a little dopamine off of that because that's how it was meant to be that buzz was supposed to be associated with a notification that was something of a dopamine release they made cell phones like that addictively stanford labs had this planned out decades ago um but yeah these these are the types of things we don't pick up on and you're right people are saying well that's not me I understand you could say that, but is it because you have to start to have some real awareness of the actions you take every day and what you're doing and start to then see, well, is that action truly, you know, what I think it is, meaning nothing benign, or is it actually impacting me? And then yeah. you got to play a little trial and error with yourself and say, all right, I'm going to put my phone in the other room on airplane mode when I go to sleep. Yep. And see what yeah, happens. I know. I can't You're going to get believe- better sleep. I guarantee you. Yeah. I. It's one of those things, too, where I, I'm, you know, there's people who are like, there's no way, like, you know, cell phone radiation or, or Wi-Fi, like, that doesn't hurt you. There's no, and it's like, okay, I, I'd love to believe that's true. However, it's doing something, right? Absolutely. Like, and it's, to me, it's just the only reason we don't care about it is because, to your point, we can't see it. But if we could see Wi-Fi signals and we could see cell signals, I think we'd be terrified. We'd be like, holy shit. Right? Oh, yeah. And there's just no way. Ripping through our bodies. <laughs> right, right. So it's like, okay, so that Bluetooth transmission, it's going through you, right? Yes. Like it's, even though you can't quote unquote feel it, in my estimation, it's interacting with you somehow and your nervous system oh, yeah. it definitely registers that. And so it's an interesting dance though, because here, the the problem with that is if you go too deep into it, all of a sudden you can get totally freaked out by all of this stuff. And then you become like this, right? And so there's this weird dance that people, especially people like me have to do where you're trying to, it's like baby proofing a room. You're trying to like minimize this stuff as much as possible. It's like clean air, clean food, great sleep, all of that. And then minimize all the technology, 
shut off Wi-Fi at night. Don't put your phone next to you at the, all of that. But even yes. with that, you can be like, shit, I'm getting bombarded by, by all this stuff. And then you've sabotaged yourself because now you're all freaked out about it. Right. So I, what are your thoughts on that? Do you have things that you do or? Oh, absolutely. And that's like the weird, like people reach out to me that follow me or something. It's like, do you ever drink alcohol? It's like, yeah, man, I drink alcohol. Like I'm a normal dude. I have a beer with my friends here and there. Like I sometimes stay up late. Like I'll watch TV late. Like I understand that there are some people out there that live incredibly healthy lives, but live it on such standards and guilt if they ever break it, that it's actually worse for them. Yep. That they're living on on a standard that doesn't bring them actual happiness yes. or any joy. Yes. That is unhealthy. And they sit yes. there and do everything to the precision of what right. should be healthy, right? Right. In book. That is not healthy either. You said it very well. We are always in a balancing act. That is our lives. You know, you look at even cell polarization that like lets us live. It's negative, it's positive, but it's balanced, right? It's a little up, down, then a pause, and it goes complete balance and harmony. That's where we got to find yourself. And, you know, even Ben taught me this a long time ago. We used to talk about things. It's like, you are never in balance. There isn't an instance where you're completely balanced. You are always balancing. You look at anyone like a tight, right, uh, a wire rope, like a balancing guy, right? Always using the left, right, left, right, long, you know, and because you're always balancing. Don't think you could ever be in a state of balance. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. Well, it's a process, right? I mean, that's how it's a process, but you're hoping you don't go too far off to one side and fall off that highway, right? You're hoping you could keep it left, right, left, right, and adjust slightly here and there in life and just be balanced. And I think that is, to your point, you're going to have negative things, toxins, all these negative thoughts happen. Don't beat yourself up over it. Notice it. And try to avoid it and try to put more positive things that keep you in that balance. Yeah. But enjoy I, life also, man. Like it's like, you know, too many I people totally get really stressed out. It's like, oh man, I had some gluten today. Damn. It's like, I know chill. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. It's like one of these things where I, I think the, the tough part is when you're really sick and you're trying to get out of that. Yeah. That's where you, you get in this, like, I can't do anything wrong because I have to make it out of this eventually. And so, but then that can become its own stressor, right? And so- That's cell cell memory. Your cells have been through war and have PTSD, right? And so your cells remember. A lot of people, you know, that had Lyme disease or infectious disease, after this whole pandemic, if they were infected with COVID or something, it was like, hey, it's starting to feel like what it felt like again. You know, it's starting to feel like Lyme again or something. Yeah. I just think you had an infection that triggered a cell memory. It's like a little bit of a battle again. You oh, went ha- to war again yeah. and you had PTSD of exactly that. And you're feeling exact symptoms as if they were back. No, I, I had this exact experience a couple months ago. I got some virus. I don't know what it was. Yep. And it, it re-triggered a bunch of stuff for me. And it took me a couple of months really to get back out of it. But I had like just excruciating sinus pressure and dizziness and brain fog and everything. And it's, and it can get you so down where you're just like, yeah. really? I mean, again... But I think, you, you, you know, the, the best thing is just to kind of keep charging for realize what it is, too. And that was helpful. Yes. That was I was working with the, the remote energy guy. And he's like, you just got hit with a virus that sort of knocked you back a little bit. It's OK. Like, you'll get out of this. And I think that's really, really important. But, yeah, on the balancing thing, man, I think that's <laughs> that's so well said. It's to me, it's a Pareto principle thing. It's an 80, 20 or yes. 90, 10 or whatever. You want to, and it's like just with everything. It's like 
do, do I drink alcohol? Yeah. You know, I have to judge for myself. Am I drinking every night or right? right. That's bad. Yes. But if I'm having a glass of wine occasionally or two or whatever, I go out with my wife or something like that's fine. And you're not always going to get perfect sleep. Like I just finished reading why we sleep Matt Walker's book mm. and oh my God, you can be like, Holy mm-hmm. shit, I'm going to die if I don't get eight <laughs> perfect hours of sleep every night yes. and I've done so much damage. And it's like, but that's, the, you know, getting back to sort of the mental thing, the one thing you can control is your attitude with all of this and your reaction to it. So you just, it's like on the days where you got crappy sleep for whatever reason, or you have to get up at four in the morning to catch a flight. The worst thing you can do is let that ruin your day mentally, right? Like it's, it's already going to, it's going to have a little bit of impact on you, but just be like, Hey, it's okay. You know, no one yep. fucking died because they had one night of bad sleep. Um, and it's just, it's true with all of these things. I just think yeah. you gotta, I, I look at the example I've, I've given this before, but, um, my parents, okay. My, my father was, he, he smoked for probably 30 years or something like that. Mm. Um, and I was an alcoholic when I was a kid. Um, and like was never a very good eater. And he was a very kind of neurotic guy too. Um, and he died at 59 of a heart attack. Now, when he, when he died, he had been sober for 18 years and he hadn't smoked in, I don't know, probably, I don't know if it was a decade, but, but he'd done a lot of damage. And he was also just someone who was always like sort of in this heightened state, right? Conversely, my mother, she drinks a glass of wine every night, I think, um, as, as long as I've known her. She still smokes a little bit, not a lot, but she'll, she'll have, um, she eats kind of like normal food, right? Like not, not a specific diet. Uh, but she goes to bed early every night. I think she's in bed by 9 PM. Mm -hmm. She sleeps eight hours a night. She's always taking naps. She reads every day and she's a very, very low stress person. Nothing gets her rattled. She just doesn't worry. And she's 75 and still kicking it. And you know what I mean? So like, she still yeah. has these kind of, some people would label like bad habits, but they're, but they're in moderation. And she, I think she counteracts it a lot because she's just not wound up. Like she's, there's yeah. no anxious energy through her body. And I just think that that's a huge piece of it. You know, it also seems and I, I don't know this, maybe correct me, but that information around the bad habit to her isn't such a ingrained belief system that it's, oh my God, it's, it's, you know, it's neurotic. Oh, I can't believe I'm drinking this wine. Everyone says it's bad. Like, yeah, I, no, she's I, like, I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. what you kind of have to have. You have to have this balance of awareness with uh, being a Zen master, right? Right. You have to have the education. Like everyone's like ignorance is bliss. Not really. It's not bliss. It's just your your head's in the sand and you know you're you're just gonna coast on by without that, and that's fine. But I would rather be an educated Zen master, meaning I take in the information, I use it to my strengths and use it as an empowering tool, but I don't let it control me with my stress. Yeah. I know how many toxins are out there in the world. I know how fragile the human body can be around certain environments and elements. And I've seen young people come in here with terrible conditions that are ruining their lives. So I know it could happen to me very quickly. Also, I know genetically I'm predisposed to certain things in my family where a lot of my family members have died early. Um, so I, I know these things, but I don't let it control me. It's yeah. like 23 and me and DNA tests. That is not your fate. That is not like, uh Oh, this gene's there. It's over. 
But we let it be, right? And we let doctors say, you have a 20% chance to live. Says who? Says you? Like, who are you, God? Like, yeah, Yeah. that may be data, but that data is also somewhat flawed. It doesn't take into account my unique circumstance. But as soon as you believe that data, you start to actually, you know, manifest that data. So you give yourself a 20% chance to win. Yep. And that's been shown time and time again. So I think there's something to be said. Like I love following some people on like social, this and that, but it is like the, even if you have one glass of wine, that's really harming you. It's I know. Like, stop, I know. stop. Like that's not helping people. Now they're sitting yeah. there shaking with that one glass of wine. Be right. Like, I'm killing myself. Like, no. Right, right, right. right. Like the Andrew Huberman's podcast, when he did that whole thing on alcohol, was like, oh my God. So that's the yeah. point is like, if you dig into all these things, you can just be, you know, end up comatose because you're so yes. frightened by everything. And in that- I just think that that is just as destructive as some of those other patterns. If not more so, I would say. Fear yeah. is an incredibly, yeah. and we saw it in the pandemic, it's an incredibly powerful emotion that really brings us down and really makes us think like not think right, right? You yeah. saw when people were feared, they were just like, all right, do anything yes. like weird stuff. Like yeah. they're telling me I have to like, you know, sit upside down, do this, and it'll like, I'll be okay. Like, okay. Yeah. You you really think that if you wear a mask as you enter the restaurant and take it off when you sit down, <laughs> that is going to make. By the difference. way, I sh- yeah, to that point, I get the first time I got COVID uh, was in a restaurant with with that oh, really? exact scenario, right? Like walk to the <laughs> table with the mask on and right. then take it off and yeah, no, yeah, and take I mean, it off as you're talking to people in near proximity where yes, they're breathing right. in your that's, face. <laughs> that's where I got it the first time. Yeah, so yeah, um, no, I mean it's it's you know I I honestly believe you you got to live life a little bit. You you got to take everything with a grain of salt and you got to approach it in this way of you know that that is information that is data. I'm going to use it to my benefit, but it's not going to run my life. It is not going to, you know, uh, make me not enjoy things as much. And yeah. I, I think some of the, the the greatest, like, you know, minds out there, like alchemists and people that were in, like Steiner and Anthrop- uh, Anthroposophy and, and looked at them like they understood that. They wanted to be these students of life and really understand nature and all this. But they enjoyed it too. They were drinkers. They smoked. They had. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And and obviously there's a limit there, right? Like it's you know you can't sort of think your way out of drinking a twelve no, pack of beer no. every night. But but I think the point is that your attitude is just it's such an important piece of the puzzle. Yes. And and I always talk about things like blue zones, right? Like for all the talk of blue zones and sort of their magical diets and everything. Uh, you know, if you if you ask honest questions about those people, it's like, oh, so they don't drink any alcohol. Oh no 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 they do they do yeah yes. yeah yeah in social settings then they oh do do they go to bed super early every night oh no I mean like in your Spain they're up till ten eleven oh, o'clock yeah. every right so th- there's more to it there right like the there things is. that they do they are social and they're outside like it's not there there's a whole bunch of factors at play there and yeah. a big piece of it is like the other things they're doing the social interaction I think is a huge piece of it too like I mean not being isolated is an enormous yes. part of your health. Yeah. And they're balancing for who they are, right? If you brought their exact existence, whatever they did to another part of the world, it wouldn't work. Yeah. It's it's who they are, right? That's why I don't believe in a diet. It's like, all right, if you're like vegan, that's great. Like put an Eskimo on a vegan diet. Like that's not going to work. It's just not. 
Yeah. And right. then do the opposite. Take someone in the Mediterranean, like the south of Italy, and put them on, you know, a, a, a an Eskimo diet, like where it's really high fat blubber, like no vegetables, no nothing. Like, yeah, that's that's not gonna work either. Like, we gotta understand we're all unique and different. Our body's going to accept things differently. Generationally, we change over time, of course, but we're not on this existence that we're all the same yet, you know. Yeah. I don't think I, we ever will be, I, and we shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, that indi- I just think that individualized approach to medicine and to look at the mental health aspect of it too. That's a big piece of what I espouse is that there's not a cookie cutter solution here. I try to introduce people to various modalities that have helped me or that I've tried that even haven't helped me to be like, you figured out for yourself, right? Like so, certain type of breath work might be great for me. But mm-hmm. you might not like it. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that it's wrong for, or right. It's like, well, it worked for me and it's not for you because we're different, right? Yes. And yes. Um, where do you see, do you see a happy ending when it comes to medicine, right? Like, is there a, <laughs> is there a union of it? Like, how does this end? Uh, or is there a union at some point? Is there a revolution? Is there... You know I try what I to mean? be really positive about this, Chris, because it's like, <laughs> it's all I do, right? It's my life. It's my passion. It's, it's trying to transform medicine, change it a bit and help people, of course, because I truly believe through medicine, we can get people health optimized, happier, living longer, not dealing with all the suffering we see. And I do think it's one of the biggest issues. It's why I like people like RFK Jr. you know, running for president because they're actually making that something of their platform. Like, hey, chronic disease is a big freaking issue, guys. Like, yeah. we can't overlook that here in the US and across the world. And like, how do we do that? Medicine needs to change. Healthcare needs to change. Um, I do think it's it's moving a little bit quicker in the direction we need it to move. I do think we still have to reach a tipping point, which requires some rock bottom. You know, I, I don't know where that is. 80% like of us disease, like sudden loss of population because so many unhealthy people are impacted by something. And I don't know if there's like a, you know, my fear is, is just like the children of men scenario where infertility runs rampant, where we're not having, you know, we're having a hard time keeping up. Depopulation just escalates. You know, right now it's not quite there, but I think in the next 20 or so years, 50% of people will require IVF to have children. Mm. Um, and you're seeing populations drastically decline. A lot of that, like Japan and others, is a little bit more on the social side of things of, you know, not trying to have as many children. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, it's like I, I think we need some more triggers, you know, there to to really take the jump and jump into a new paradigm. Uh, but nevertheless, I do see once you we get past that and and you know start to show that there are solutions to these problems. Yeah. And it's not the old way of thinking of more drugs and more surgery. It's actually, you know, taking control of it, applying old, new, east meets west, you know, all of it and personalizing it to you. And, and again, addressing your whys and, and getting you to a true balanced state of body, mind and spirit that 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 is already happening. Right. You have people that that accept that it's a minority. Uh but I, I do think in, in the next you know few decades or so, there, there will be more and more people that, that see this because they have to. You know, again, you're going to find more people like yourself, like the Ben Aarons out there of the world that are just like, my life depends on this. Like, I don't mm. want to be sick in bed anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't keep living like this. And there, the good thing about things like technology, social media – 
you have more of the ability to find places like ours and others out there, yeah. right? You hear from others. You could connect to people. You could share your stories on podcasts more, and everyone has access to that, which is a wonderful thing because there are a lot of people that are like, I'm looking for my last chance here, and I'll try anything again. And hopefully, you know, that leads you to a place that that approaches medicine anywhere. There's a lot of places like ours, I would say, that does it differently. That that you know, and once you see that, you tell your friends, you tell your family, and it starts to go in that grassroots and. I think it will change for the better because it has to. Yeah, you know the the alternative is is very bleak. You know where every where you by the age of like ten you're gonna have a chronic disease and be obese like that. That's yeah. terrible. Like yeah. we don't want that. And I do think you know it's it's time. You know, it took a uh, medicine a couple hundred years to pick up on Newtonian principles and apply things like antibiotics and everything else. Also took a little bit of you know. I would say uh, the the business complex and capitalism taking advantage of it with Rockefeller and others kind of propelling it into the modern day that we know. But all things go back. I think quantum principles will be uh, applied within medicine. They already are more and more. So much awesome technology is out there that's hitting you know the the medical industry now. That that is more about healing through energy, understanding it better now. Um, I think we're on the precipice, but. It'll probably still take a little while till it gets there and really changes and people adopt this. Um, I don't know about insurance. That's one that always puzzles mm, me. Yeah. You know, I, because whew, it's like it, it takes such a difference to, to uh, you know, start to really look at insurance that way. Because my father dealt with insurance, had, you know, uh, claims people working for him, billing specialists that it was just so difficult. All right, we want to do three injections in this person. We're only covering two, right? And it's like you go in this back and forth and it's not about what's best for the patient. It's always about cost savings. That's why it kind of works well, I guess, with the conventional realm. It's just, just put them on the drug. They'll be fine, right? Yeah. You don't. We don't have to argue about whether they need more IVs or this or that and personalized things. It's just a protocol. Um. Also, like my whole fear is like as soon as you make something free, quote unquote, you lose the value of it, right? And people see healthcare as free, right? You walk in, you just show a healthcare card, it's in your whatever, your uh, PPO or within network and, you know, you go about it. But that type of medicine, again, doesn't put the responsibility and onus on you. It's take the drug, it's all free, you'll feel better, so forth, you know, and you just get sicker and sicker each year, really. Whereas this type of medicine, it's like, you got to do a lot and you got to really value it. And there is an exchange. I understand, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, everyone needs to pay out of pocket and, you know, healthcare insurance shouldn't cover it. But if there isn't that sort of ability to say like, hey, I got to put in money for this. Sometimes you don't get that exchange of I got to do something. If trainers were free, you wouldn't go to the trainers as much. You'd yeah. see people skipping their sessions, right? And you'd see people just, ah, whatever, it's it doesn't cost me anything, so I can miss it. Um, and I always say, like, medicine is a lot like working out. You gotta struggle sometimes. You're gonna feel the pain, right? You went through it. It's not a linear going up. I feel better each day. It's no, like sometimes you get all. like a an IV and you're like, damn, that knocks me out. Like I feel way worse. I don't know if this is working. Like oh, you a hundred percent. Either right? afterwards or like if it's something like NAD, it hurts when you're doing it. It's yeah, yeah. it's not comfortable. 
No, it's not comfortable. And it's the same thing as, listen, working out, you do legs, you can barely walk the next day if you do it right. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. you, you're supposed to feel the pain. That That yep. is the, the, the breaking down rebuilds you stronger. Medicine is no different. I think you are changing parts of you and that change is difficult. Body parts are actually completely changing and regenerating for better. But at first, it's going to be a little pain and you're going to question that. So- you know, I, I absolutely am positive on the future of medicine and healthcare. I think there's enough people out there that see that it's kind of broken right now. We have yeah. to go in this direction. Otherwise, you know, I, I don't see a future for like, yeah. the human race. The, insur- the insurance thing is interesting because it's, it's things like that where I look at it and I go, I th- we really need to take a step back and look at, okay, we, we take it uh, for granted that we think, oh, th- that's just the way it is. And it's like, well, it really hasn't always been the way it is. This whole concept of we sort of pay these people a monthly stipend. And then when we have to go see a doctor, they pay them, they pay them part of it. But then we have to also pay on top of that. And yeah. and that company is paid by your employer. Like all of that is, yeah. is like, wh- why? It's I mean, super complex because you don't want to think about it, right? When you think about it, you start to say, well, why does that make sense? Yeah. I, I haven't used a single like dollar of, of, I have insurance, right? I haven't like gone into the system or taken out a single dollar forever, right? I, I have this place, of course, but even then I know people that are just like, I do preventive measures. I don't want to be in the system. Yeah. So why do I have to pay for the system? Right, and then there well, is like, well, of course, there's emergency stuff you need. I understand that, but sure. I see healthcare insurance. My premium goes up about fourteen to eighty percent every year, and this has been over a decade. Like, start a few hundred, it's over a thousand now, and I don't do anything. I don't need yeah. it at all, well, right? And all you have to do is watch television for five minutes to know how much money there is in insurance. Oh yeah, right? like every yeah. other commercial is an insurance commercial. Big pharma so like, and insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that's obviously right. where the money is because right. all the ads <laughs> it's are obvious there. where the money is. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a couple kind of last uh, questions here. Um, actually, one is I just wanted to kind of, since we touched on it and we talked on when I was on your podcast about my story, but just just kind of what your center did for me is I think it got, like when I went in there and emerged, it probably got me from, I don't know, 40% better, right? Like I'd made some progress to probably 75%, something like that. And that was a year ago. And I think even when we did, when I was on your podcast, I probably said that I was like at about 80%. I think I said mm. something like that. And now I'm probably 90, 95%. Mm-hmm. And, the, and this last bit has been like this belief stuff. It's been using Ben's program. It's mental stuff. It really is. And and the thing that got me there, I mentioned this on your podcast, was watching Heather's story, who is mm-hmm. a, one of your kind of success stories, somebody, you know, this woman, she was Lyme disease, was like, couldn't walk. I mean, like really screwed up. Um, you know, and a lot of us get to this point where we're almost like, like suicidal, right? Like it's, you get to, you can get to this point where you're just like, look, I, you know, I'm going to check out here. Cause I don't even know what, what's left for me to do. And she even got to that point, at least from a thought perspective, I know she mentions it in her kind of recounting her story, but anyway, she went to your center and there's a condensed version of it on the website, yes. which is like a seven minute version, which sort of, you don't realize the time that it took to do some of this stuff and some of the intricacies of it. But if you watch the long version or just read the entire transcript, which is like an hour or something like that, or 30 minutes, it's like, oh, it took two years after she left 
to mm-hmm. finally kind of get there. And the last piece of it was a belief. It was like, yeah. she was like 90% of the way there. And she's like, what's keeping me? And she finally, like one day just sort of realized I am health, like I am healthy and stop mm-hmm. being like, I'm going to get there and actually believing in the moment that she was okay. And that was the thing that finally got her over the finish line. And I just think that that's such a, a valuable message. It's like that, that even like false motivation is better than no motivation. This idea of like, you have to believe it before you're there. And it just, and like your body will catch up, right. The more you yeah. sort of feed it that information. Right. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to kind of highlight that because we, we sort of, for anyone who hasn't heard it before, like my interaction with you guys and like where it got me on my kind of personal journey here, where, um, just talk a little bit just about what you're doing, like with your podcast and everything, like how you kind of like, you know, what you're trying to do, like the impact you're trying to make sort of personally with the content you're doing. I really want to do what you just talked about is like share those stories out there that are truly empowering. I realize like everyone I've spoken to that's either walked in this door or had questions for me, they're, they're not looking so much for the evidence. They're not looking for clinical studies. They're not looking for a doctor to tell them much. They're looking for someone else that was in their position, relatively yeah. close to their position because no one's in the same position that got better. Yeah. You know? That is living their life now because they don't think they may ever live their life again as they used to know it. Yep. And that's the powerful part. That's why I do the podcast. I don't want to be a podcaster. I'm a big introvert, actually. I don't like speaking to people that much. <laughs> I enjoy this. Don't get me wrong. Um, I enjoy talking about things I'm passionate about, but like small talk just irks me. Um, and and I, I really wanted to share that. I had the the blessing and pleasure of meeting so many interesting people along my path. I never dealt with like a serious, serious condition. That was That's not my hero story to say like, oh yeah, yeah I had this, I overcame it, and here I am. I was just put in a position where I got to hear a lot of hero stories of that sort. And I got to travel the world and see and experience so many different things. So it's like, I want to share that with people because I've met people like you, like Ben, like Heather, like thousands of others that started without that story of overcoming and were in that despair state, in that hopelessness state. And so it's like, man, I I know you could get out of it. And I don't even want to talk you out and like to believe that. I want other people's stories to do that. Yeah. So the podcast was like a, a big one for me to be like, okay, let's get those stories out. Let's impact other people's lives and give them some hope. Hope is a really, really powerful thing. And it's like people that say like you're selling false hope. It's like, no, I, I'm not trying to sell anything. I don't care if you come here or not. I hope you hear Heather's story and go someplace else, but just like connect with her and do something like that. That's the end game. If we can get healthier. Great. Uh, you know, on top of that, also, like, I, I love what I'm doing. We're trying to expand it. We are trying to expand to new clinics, new places. We understand it's not easy for people to come to New York only, right? And travel like you did for months at a time. And like, that's hard. I know that that is uh, cumbersome. So we don't make it as easy as possible to access this and deal with and have a network with other doctors and really expand the availability of it. And hopefully also, you know, bring down costs as things expand. Hopefully you could bring that down as well and make it more affordable. Although I do believe that, you know, medicine is expensive comparative, like our type of medicine versus a few nights stay in a hospital. It's like, you can't compare just one side it's covered, you know, the other side. Well, you get what you pay for too. I mean, I'm a big believer of that of like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, we, I've, I've interviewed a few people that were just like, you know, came from uh, you know, humble like sorts and didn't really have the money to, to go into treatment at first and started GoFundMe and everything. They're like, 
you know, and I asked them, like, how do you feel afterwards about that decision? They're like, it's it's really easy. I could have either, like, you know, taken that money and bought a car for what I did and I had a car or I could, you know, use that to get my life back. Yeah. And that's it. Like, people spend a lot of money on other things. They may not know it. But uh, if you really break it down, like, like there's oh, so many ways you could do this and make it affordable. So, you know, those are all the parts to it, like to get more people in this awareness field. I know so many people like I've never heard of that and I'm dealing with these issues. It's like, I wish you heard of this more because mm-hmm. I believe it could help you. Yeah. And so like I just want to put it in front of people and say, does that resonate with you or not? Yeah. The only way to do it is to keep talking and keep going out there and meeting people and traveling and, and trying to spread this word. So, you know, thinking like trying to write a book in between all the business stuff and everything else and, and just get it out there more. Cause I, I feel like most people, like I've exhausted my options and it's like, no, you haven't. Yeah. You haven't even come yeah, near yeah. it. Yeah. No, you, you never have actually. I've, I've, you I've never do. Just, right? I continue to learn do. things where I'm like, really? I didn't know about that. Um, yeah. And so the, and the podcast is Your Health, Your Story, right? Your Health, Your Story is the podcast that I do. Like you could go through innovativemedicine.com and look it up there. We're revamping that. We're looking at new clinics uh, across the country. I got to fly out to LA in a couple of days and see, you know, meet some doctors there that we want to work with. Um, uh, and then, yeah, of course, New York Center for Innovative Medicine. That's our flagship. That's where I am right now. And patients come into from around the world and get treatment in a very personalized manner. So, um, that that's all through, uh, innovative medicine.com. They could go there. Yeah. And I, I think that that's right. The, the stories of inspiration are extremely important. I think I've never heard someone say experience-based medicine. I'm going to use that because I really like that term that you said. Please do. Yeah. Because, I use it all the time. Cause everyone's no, like evidence-based. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'm not saying don't knock evidence. I'm like, but you know, experience matters a lot. Well, the, the problem I have sometimes is like when I was at your center and you, you meet a lot of people there because there's people coming in and out of treatment and they're in different stages and everything. And you, you're talking a lot of times because you're sitting in a chair with like multiple IVs in and lasers on you <laughs> and all this stuff yeah. and um, going, what am I doing here? Um, and at least I was trying to strike up conversations with people and talk to them instead of just being like on my iPod or whatever. Um, but you'd ask them like, hey, w- what brought you here? And invariably it would be, Oh, I had a friend who, who came here and got, who was super sick and got better over and over and over. I would hear that story. Yeah. And it's that type of thing where you have some, some naysayers out there that goes, there's no evidence based, you know, behind that. And you're like, well, all these people got better. That's not evidence. Like to me, that's Mm. like, that's evidence, right? Like, I mean, especially like on a mental perspective too, when, when people say that about like mental health, various modalities and treatments, it's like, well, how do you even assess mental health? It's an interview, right? Mm-hmm. It is an experience. Mm-hmm. So how else are you doing it? There's no blood test for that kind of shit. It's like you're asking someone, do you feel better? So it is anecdotal, right? And you hear that a lot. Like, oh, that's yeah. just anecdotal. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, my experience is subjective, <laughs> like as is everyone's, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so two last things, because I want to be respectful of your time here, and we're, we're, we're getting on kind of 90 minutes. First is this thing you sent me, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I'd never seen before. And I'm, for those listening, it's, it's the U matrix H2O. This is like a company that's, they, they do a lot of sort of EMF things, right? It's yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. They, they do e- things even like if you're impacted by EMF, you could put them in your house or you could even do therapies just to like rebalance. It's basically trying yeah. to change the, the environment. But this one is like sort of for water. It's sort of like yeah. restructuring. Wa- so I just use it as a coaster. Now I just stick my, yeah. my water glass on it. And uh, no, that's, that's, it's that's one of these things for. where I go, 
really? Is that really doing something there? But it, you know, either way, it's either doing nothing or it's or it's actually helping, right? <laughs> yeah, you got yeah, one too. I got right? mine yeah. right here, my bottle of water on it too. Yeah. And it is, you're right. Listen, I I don't get this kind of stuff either. There are you know patent pending crystalline structures within it that yeah. emit something in a vortex that water interacts with <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's like and I've met the guy, Pierre, that's that's from France and has been working on all types of, you know, different things. And he worked in World War II or something like like very or afterwards in radio frequencies and, and trying to like emit certain energies across. Like it's crazy when you hear his story. And it's like, I, I believe you. I, like, you know, you're gonna say things that I don't get. And, you know, there's some proof in it. You go look at things like Emoto's work or how you flash, like freeze crystals of water and then look at the structure of it. Um, but yeah, there is a leap of faith. And I am just like at a certain point, like, why not? What's the harm in this? If it doesn't work, like, okay. But again, like I, I do anything I can right now. I'm sitting on a laptop that has different U matrix on it that has a little piece of thing that is, uh, mm -hmm. doesn't let radiation come through. Like I believe in the little drops in the right bucket, even if they don't work, probably are working up here a little bit on yeah. a placebo level. So, so that's the, la the last question I kind of want to ask is along those lines is a lot of this sort of alternative therapies, whatever you want to call it, a lot of it is bullshit out there. There yes. are quacks out there. There are snake oil salesmen out there and I've interacted with some of them. So what just, I guess, any advice for people out there, like trying to navigate that, right? When you're sort of looking for answers, you're not finding them potentially in sort of conventional medicine or what insurance covers or whatever. How, how do you go about that in a way that you don't end up harming yourself or being unsafe about it? Yeah, it's a difficult one. And I, it brings up an instance. There was, and I've had him on my podcast and told this story. So I'll use his name, Rem, Rem, Rem Pitlick. Um, and he was an NHL player, young kid and everything, and just kept hitting me up on Instagram. It was just like, hey, I have this going on. Like, how do I do this and this? And should I go to this person? Should I go to that person? At a certain point, I was like, Rem, you just got to take in the information and go with your gut, man. Because I could tell you things, you're going to question that. You're going to ask your other buddy and you're going to question that guy. Yeah. And you're just going to go around questioning everyone and be have no action done. You're not actually stepping in the right direction. I say this, take in the information that you can, you know, totally unbiased, take in multiple sources, read books, do what you have to, and then sit in quiet and just see how you feel about it. Do you really ask yourself a question like just... Do I want to go to this place? Do I want to go to this doctor? Do I want to go to this one? Just sit there and see what comes up for you. Because yeah, you're going to get amazing salespeople pitching you shit. You're going to get, you know, the the best marketing. And that's what kind of irks me sometimes too. I like see some clinics that I know don't do too much, but have an amazing marketing team, have venture capitalists behind it. And then I hear patients come in here like, oh, it looks so fantastic. And it like, it looks that way, but what like actually substance wise did you like about it? Right. And right. it's like, well, they told me this and that. I'm like, you do know they, they're only doing like this and that. They don't have too much. And I'm not knocking. I'm just saying there's a big difference of what you're saying in perception and what you're marketed versus what is truly there and how you feel about it. So I do believe at the end of the day, like this is a decision you have to make on your own. You could hear the stories and I want to connect people and be like, here, Ben's, here, Chris's, here, everyone's stories. But then you got to be able to say, does that even resonate with me? Like, would I do that? Would I be like Chris and not be like this is total bullshit? <laughs> you know, because we have people that come in here and sure. like literally on the first thing, this is total bullshit, isn't it? 
It's like, why'd you come in here? Like, yeah. you really think yeah. it's bullshit. Like, and you really, if you're like, there's no ounce within you that believes this will help you. Why did you come here? Right. Uh, someone told me, well, no, you got to make that decision yourself. Just because someone told you to do something, you really shouldn't do it that way. So my advice always Take in the information, build your awareness, build your comfort level, at least to understand somewhat of what's going on. You're never going to understand 100% walking in anywhere what's really going to happen. And then you, you got to go with that that instinct, man. We all have it. We've lost it, that gut feeling. And a lot of us, you know, turn to others to, to have those questions answered about life. Um, but that's what I say. Like for Ben, he said it was like I got to 80% comfortable where I was like, this feels good. 80% of me is good with this. 20% is like, I don't know if this is going to work. And that he's like, that was enough. And I had it at 80 and I came in and I got better like over time again. It took him a while too. It wasn't like, hey, treatment's over. You're good. No, it was treatment's over. You could self-manage yourself now, but the journey continues. You know, you got to do the work afterwards. So, well, um, that's my advice is like, yeah, yeah. Go with the gut. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I tend to agree. I sort of say sort of like weigh the, weigh the sort of pros and cons. And if you feel at the end of the day that I'm a big fan of like, can't hurt might help, you know, if there is some risk, assess that and figure that out and then make your own educated decision. But then the big thing is to your point, if you've made a decision to do something, do it. Like do it with conviction, do it with conviction and go all yes. in on it. Right. Take like, the leap can't... of faith at that point yeah. and yeah. give it your all at that point. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. It's just like, you know, once you've decided to do it, well then do it, you know, don't have to do it. Um, yes. So we'll look and, and I guess I'm my own kind of wrapping up with my own thing on this man. Like, so I'm, I'm about one year removed from, from being at your center for the, that initial go. Yeah. And man, I, I'm really close like i'm it's like i'm within probably a couple of you know i'm trying to be realistic here but i, I man it's like i'm finally the point where i'm like i the light of the, at the end of the tunnel is really there it's like i'm good probably 90 percent of the time at this point so it's you know it's i, I probably got a couple a couple more months but i i it's like i finally believe really believe that there will come a day where i'm like i'm good like i'm finally like normal again right and it's not to say you're never going to have a bad day or anything like that or like oh, no, normal yeah. people are tired sometimes and all the like time that, right <laughs> but but it's like it's really exciting for me man and and like your your guys center was a was a big stepping stone uh for me that that got me helped it's get amazing me here. to hear chris like uh, those kind of stories that that's what like when people are like what do you do why do you do what you do it's that right there it's yeah. that story right if i could go to work and hear that story like once a month even like it's worth it. You know, it's worth the long hours and like just like trying to truck through and people being skeptical and bad review of like, hey, you guys swindled me or something like, OK, I, I all I need is that one story. I get it, luckily. So, you know, it keeps me going. And that's amazing to hear. And it's like, yeah, I think uh, like you said, like 90 percent is amazing. And you all strive for 100 and like, you know, take your time to get there. Enjoy that process in a sense. It's never going to be easy one. But the healing journey. It's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. You know? And yeah. That, that's an amazing one. I'm thrilled to hear you're, you're, you're getting there. Yeah. 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 Uh, almost there. Like it's really, it's close. Like it's, yeah. I can really see it at this point. So, um, all right. Well, is there anything else you want to discuss that we, we didn't hit on, uh, oh, and all? Like, there's always big... something I could discuss. Sure. Right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can do it again. No, good, man. This, this is fun. And, uh, I, I love being able to like share just, you know, the, the background of it. Cause I'm not that evidence-based physician guy that's going to just come on here and rattle off statistics of everything. But 
you know, from I'm an observer, I'm a keen observer. I love looking at 30,000 foot view. And it's like, yeah, if, if you're feeling, you know, not yourself, if you're in a disease state or anything like that, do the same, like step back a little bit. We get caught up in the minutia. We get caught up in what drug we're on and what the doctor says, like, take a step back and really understand, like, hey, am I answering my whys? Am I, am I really understanding what's going on with me right now? And if I'm not, do I need some help from someone, right? And do I need to reach out to a Chris or do I need to reach out to a medical center or anything like that? And understand, like, the, the, there is a journey to it and there is another side to it. Yeah. If you're in it, it's hard to understand that. But if you get to the other side, you will see that was all a blessing. Disease yeah. can be a blessing, but only when you're on the other side of it, right? But yeah. you can get to that other side too. And that's my kind of last message is like a hopeful one that anyone could get to that other side. And if you think you're in a really bad state, there are people that have been worse for sure that have gotten to the other side. Yep. So keep going. Yep. Awesome, man. We'll end with that. Thanks, brother. Hey, thank you. Awesome time. 